Hi, this is Lynchy, Erica, and Isabel, and welcome to the Lazy Thoughts Podcast. For this podcast episode, we want to take this opportunity to engage in a conversation on the importance of the Black Lives Matter movement. We are not experts in this matter, but by initiating this discussion in our podcast, we want to show that you don't necessarily have to be experts in order to spark a conversation about racial injustice in America. We acknowledge that understanding this issue is a long-term learning process, but we are committed to educating ourselves every step of the way because the fight for the end of racial discrimination and police brutality is worth it. So for our first question, we are going to talk about what were our initial reactions to the recent protests for BLM and how did they change over time? Um, so for me, I first heard about you know the recent police shootings um, that were consecutive um, back when I was finishing my quarter for the school year and I think during that moment I felt very overwhelmed and I as much as I wanted to like fully engage in what was going on outside um for one it was difficult for me to kind of like completely detach myself from like all the stresses that I currently had with school but also like I didn't really know where to begin because everything was moving so fast Um, people were speaking out on social media, there was footage everywhere on YouTube and on Instagram, and I just didn't know how to engage with everything and sort out my thoughts, and luckily, uh, I had the opportunity to be able to talk about it in two of my classes, because, um, my professors, they were, um, familiar with the topic and we were able to kind of have a productive conversation in class which I know a lot of people weren't able to do with their own classes so that was that allowed me to ease into uh I guess like a lot of the current issues going on um and help me to be more informed and my opinions definitely did change over time especially regarding like uh the I guess like the police brutality um, but we can definitely get into that later on in the podcast. So what do you, what about you all? Mm, I think I also was experiencing the same thing as Lynchy because um, at the time we were finishing up spring quarter. And I believe one of the first things that I personally kind of became aware about was Ahmad Aubrey's case. And I think I saw multiple posts of this case like on Instagram and I would see it and I think it kind of piqued my curiosity but um I don't know it's kind of it sucks to say this but I think in at the time I I would kind of just turn a blind eye because you know this is another case of another innocent black man getting killed and now it's on the news so I guess for me, it was just something that like, oh, it's happened before. And I kind of just went on with my spring quarter. And 
it really like I think what really hit me the most was when George Floyd was um killed because that was when um video recordings of the incident was released onto social media and I think that kind of kicked it off for me so after kind of like seeing all the protesting and everything that was going on it was difficult to kind of digest at the time but I think with some education and just like reading up on everything that has been going on recently it's helped me to better understand the motivations for Black Lives Matter and I think it's something that everybody should care about now that Mm -hmm. you know we've come to this point in time. Yeah I kind of felt the same way as Isabel towards the beginning I kind of I thought everything was sad, but I kind of felt indifferent because this is our norm now and it shouldn't be, but we're just so numb to all of these um, news articles popping up about another black life dying. And it's sad to say that that's become the norm. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really kept up with it until George Floyd. His death was kind of a turning point for me and for many others as well, I think. And after his death, I started to educate myself more and rather than just looking at individual events I looked um, I researched more on how um, the country as a whole and the system how it's not for everybody and the minorities especially black Americans are suffering from it Mm -hmm. and I just feel like I didn't really know the full extent until I did some further research Speaking about that, we're now going to talk about what do you know about racial injustice in America and why is it difficult to tackle? So for me, I think the first thing that we should address when talking about racial injustice or racism in general is that race itself is a made-up construct by white Americans and Europeans to legitimize those who were who are in power and to um uh suppress those who are inferior to them and around the 19th century when this uh ideology was prevalent the group of people who were especially targeted were black americans um and as a result you can see the effects of this reflected in our system. So you see the disparities in income level, in education, in the job market, in the prison system, and so much more. Um, And I think that's why it's so difficult to tackle because I think when it's on an individual level racism, you can identify it and like if it's you, you can change yourself or when it's another person, you can talk to that person. But when it's systemic, um it's part of the society that you are living in um and so there's just so much more that you have to do as an individual for you know changes to happen racial injustice in america has existed since the beginning of like the founding of america mm-hmm. <laughs> like i found it to be prevalent in not just you know, BIPOC or just, like, Black people, Indigenous people, but it's been pretty, like, it's been a reoccurring thing where we can see it also evident in, for example, um, I noted, like, how the Japanese were also treated indifferently um, with the internment camps and, like, Mm 
mm-hmm. how um like for example the native americans we have mistreated them since like the very moments we landed yeah. <laughs> in the united states yeah and yeah i think it's just very upsetting to kind of unpack all of this and realize that you know this entire country yes is very diverse and it's essentially a melting pot of all kinds of different ethnicities yet we don't view everybody the same there's not like equal representation even mm-hmm. though we are diverse so mm-hmm. the diversity means essentially nothing, nothing. yeah mm-hmm. so just to see the racial injustices kind of like culminating into this one movement the black lives matter movement is not just pertaining to black people but mm-hmm. i think should also get the attention of everybody and mm-hmm. um, I kind of wanted to bring in what we were talking about previously when we were um, going to record, but mm-hmm. when we were watching uh, Trevor Noah, he was explaining how while, yes, everybody is um, struggling to kind of make a life for themselves, mm-hmm. I think it's also important to note that the struggles that Black people in particular have faced in this country have not well, we're not disregarding anybody anybody else's struggles, but you mm-hmm. can definitely say that they have experienced a tremendous amount of hardships mm-hmm. that we will never be able to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very difficult thing to kind of, um, I guess, digest because mm-hmm. everything that we see right now mm-hmm. has been built upon the hard work of black people that we have enslaved mm-hmm. and and yet, we're still continuing to do it and yeah. we're still not acknowledging mm-hmm. what they've contributed and that's the scary part is that mm-hmm. we're just ignoring it and mm-hmm. we're not giving them the deserved credit that they have contributed to our country because there's so much that we have taken and yet we barely see it acknowledged in our education in our in our media so mm-hmm. I think that's a very difficult thing to tackle because it is very evident, at least in my case, that I have not learned that much about black history mm-hmm. yet. It's so prevalent right now and it mm-hmm. always has been. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, black history is American history, but unfortunately it's omitted from a lot of the textbooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I had to do my own research now as an adult to find out things that weren't taught to me in high school or in or just a school in general and I think that's very sad because they have made so many contributions and have had so many achievements but we've never really heard about them and a lot of people Mm -hmm. still continue to not know about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's just sad that they don't receive the recognition they deserve yeah Yeah. and we're just living life like normally just (laughs) while they're suffering yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's really unfair to be quite frank Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of the scary part is that like for us our family escaped from Vietnam to come to a better place and that place was America Mm -hmm. because we thought that oh it's the land of the free everybody is liberated and they you know they're not overrun by some scary government that will, like, try to hunt you down. Right. But that is exactly the opposite of what we've mm-hmm. come to. Yeah, I feel like it's constantly evolving, and it's disguising racism in different ways. Mm-hmm. So when we think we're making, you know... Progress. Re- yeah, progress, and we're yeah. reaching milestones, 
they've just looked for another form of it. Exactly. And it's just been transformed into something else, and we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think, like, when we're learning in, like, a primary, secondary school, I think a lot of what we learn is mostly just, oh, here's, you know, segregation. It was really bad. But then civil rights <laughs> happened. And then we ended it. Yeah, we ended it. And <laughs> the Rosa end. Parks, Martin Luther King. Yeah. And they, like, focus so much on, like, peaceful... Yeah. yeah, and, and that like, was, that's not how that all wasn't this is even reached. the whole story. Like yeah. half, like a lot of us didn't even learn about like Malcolm X, yeah. the Black Power movement, mm-hmm. and like there was uh, so many other things going yeah. on too that and helped. The, yeah, and mm-hmm. like the little stuff that they did tell us about Malcolm X, like I remember, like. Getting a neg, very negative. They were like, like he was the violent. Yeah, yeah he was the violent. <laughs> yeah. he, he was MLK. He was Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah. and then they kind of like used, yeah, MLK to compare him to, and then yeah. so I was like, oh my god, like because we, I don't know much about this person, right. but he seems yeah. like a bad person. Like I didn't know any better, and I wasn't yeah. taught anything. Next, we'll talk about what is the significance of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so BLM, um, I believe, gives voice to the value and vulnerability of the Black lives in America. Um, black people in particular live in constant fear every single day um, from the threat of the police, either from police brutality or excessive force or just arrest Mm -hmm. for no reason um it is not because they're bad people but solely due to the color of their skin um and i feel like this is not recognized enough and the fact that like they are black people are living this way in america and there there are no sufficient changes to help like ensure their safety I feel like it brings the loud message that their lives aren't valued. Mm-hmm. And so I think the whole purpose of this movement is created to like bring valid- validity to their lives and to bring that guarantee that maybe like our government or our history hasn't been able to provide and to kind of like put it out there like black lives do matter mm-hmm. um, and we do need to make these changes to acknowledge that and as a result like in the past they have provided a lot of educational resources they have utilized social media to really spread this message and to help like have people mobilize with them um and yeah i just like really support their cause and what they're doing Mm -hmm. i like the idea of promotion like Mm -hmm. it's giving rise to something that wasn't given the proper attention before Mm -hmm. and so by promoting you're also really educating on the importance of not just black lives but also black culture Mm -hmm. black history yeah like black accomplishments because Mm -hmm. i think that including Mm -hmm. us not a lot of people are aware of what they've contributed to america Mm -hmm. so yeah, and adding on to that, mm-hmm. like, just recently, like, for the first time, at least from what I remember, like, a lot of people are celebrating Juneteenth. Yeah. And that has been slept that. on. And like, nobody has heard of it until yeah, now. Yeah. But it has been celebrated by, like, the black community. Mm-hmm. And, and it's acknowledged by 47 states. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think 
um, that's just like one of the things. It's like mm-hmm. the like as as kind of like an outcome of helping to promote BLM, we're also acknowledging like significant events like yeah. Juneteenth. Yeah. And I think it's wrong for us to mm-hmm. celebrate July Fourth without celebrating Juneteenth. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, where's the freedom? Can, yeah, where's the freedom? Exactly. We were not all free. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back to what Isabel said. I think Black Lives Matter is really significant because it allows Black voices to be heard and amplified, mm-hmm. and it also creates like a space for um, people to express their creativity mm-hmm. and for us to learn more about Black culture, mm-hmm. Black achievements, mm-hmm. and um, Black history. Because so much of this has been omitted from our education, mm-hmm. we have to search for it ourselves. Yeah. And following Black Lives Matter has been eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much more mm-hmm. than I ever learned from my history classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, like to say that Black Lives Matter is just a reminder that Black yes. Lives Matter too. And it shouldn't really be a reminder. I don't think it's, like, we know that lives matter. (laughs) All lives matter. Mm -hmm. But the reason why we're so focused on Black Lives Matter is because they do matter, but people don't treat them like they matter. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue. Right. I think people are just misunderstanding the message here. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think, so just to add on to that, I think, the importance of the Black Lives Matter movement is also changed to also change the narrative on how we view black people. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's very it's a very common misconception based on what we see from the media or even like our family members. It's like, oh black people are criminals or mm-hmm. black people they're just bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not the case because I think everybody can be bad. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody with certain circumstances can become cold at heart, but that like that does not apply to all black people Mm -hmm. so i think in a sense the black lives matter movement humanizes black people so that we don't see them as some inferior like Mm -hmm. or something to be scared of yeah something to like separate us from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we are all just people Mm -hmm. and i think people forget that Yeah. yeah you know so yeah i think it just opens up the perspective for everybody and how they should view the black community because they should not be something that we should be afraid of Mm -hmm. what are some new information you have learned in the past few weeks um so for me i think i uh, like besides from um learning about the protests and like about racial injustice i've learned a lot about the police the policing and police system in this mm-hmm. country i had no idea that there were all these issues underlying the our police and also that there were so many obstacles to creating reform um i think in the beginning i was someone who who wanted to trust in the police because after all like their purpose is to protect us right from crimes mm-hmm. and to like um protect our rights but now I know that there's a lot more complications to that than what's met met with the eye. Um, and so, for example, some things I've learned was that um, there are very extremely lack of 
there's an extremely lack of data of police reports and police wrongdoings um and so it's really hard to i guess like track police whenever they do something wrong or maybe they disobey the law because no one's kind of really keeping track mm-hmm. um and another thing is that police police officers are allowed to wipe their record and it has been done before whenever you know like they they are being checked they are allowed and encouraged sometimes to clean up their disciplinary records and so that people can't are unable to find if they've done anything in the past and hold them accountable to it um another thing too is that uh even when there are local reforms being made uh such as the increase in body cams or implicit bias training or um like minor financial reforms there police have unions that can block a lot of these reforms being implemented Mm -hmm. um they have a lot of say in what can work or not and when it comes to like local government it's really really hard to get past police unions in general because they do have a lot of power um so that's why we have to sometimes rely on the federal government to make changes for uh things to actually happen and then lastly what i want to point out is that uh i didn't know about this before but police officers have a thing called qualified immunity and basically that exempts them from a lot of the laws um that are that make other people like everyone else regular citizens accountable Mm -hmm. for but not police officers because they kind of have this like special position where they are allowed to kind of like act um like i guess um, like they're able to like get away with some things just because of like their job right Mm -hmm. um and even if they uh accidentally killed someone or used excessive force um they might not be it might not be considered illegal to them unless it's already been considered at the constitutional level and so there's so much red tape to consider like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for police officers and um again that's why we have to also consider like what can be done in the federal level for these changes to happen um most of the new things that i learned were from the documentary called 13th Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, and I find it... This is also related to the police system, but I thought it was really interesting how certain laws that have been created or certain movements were specifically targeted towards black people. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I learned that things such as the war on crime or the war on drugs were um, developed so that you can essentially arrest people of minorities Mm -hmm. so people like the black community or hispanic community so that way they can get incarcerated and the whole premise of of 13th is that we have a very large prison system that is overfilled with um prisoners and that is becoming an increasingly large problem And so by having these low offense crimes and sending these people to jail, you're making it more susceptible for people that are already disadvantaged to be incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And so 
instead of helping those people by sending them to mental institutions or possibly getting help for therapy, we're just arresting them and we're not doing any further actions. Mm -hmm. So by creating these laws, you're not actually helping people. You're just targeting those who are more disadvantaged. And I thought that was very interesting because that is a very good question. Like, why are we arresting people that have drugs or marijuana? Mm -hmm. Like, instead of just throwing them in jail, we could be helping them um, with other aspects of their lives because I think that's a very big thing to take into consideration is that there's a lot of things that contribute to why we kind of turn to certain decisions, I believe. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. And um, just one last thing is uh, I started watching this other documentary on Netflix called LA 92. And I have not finished it yet, so I do not know the full premise of the documentary. However, um, I thought it was very interesting how the events of LA-92 really reflect our current events. Mm -hmm. For um, those of you who don't know what LA-92 is about, it is about this case involving Rodney King, who is a black man, and he was brutally beaten by the police um, multiple times for a traffic, I believe a, tra a traffic violation. And by chance, uh, somebody, it was, I believe like a neighbor or something, took a video camera and was able to capture everything on his video camera. And so what is very pivotal about that moment is that because everything was captured, it, you can't hide anything about the fact that the police mm -hmm. brutally beat a man that was not resisting mm -hmm. and I feel like that kind of really mirrors what has been happening with George Floyd mm -hmm. and it's interesting to me how you know it's mm -hmm. been almost 20 years and things have not changed mm -hmm. but the fact that this was captured on camera was able to you know kind of um display what would, what is actually going on mm -hmm. and what um you know people in the black community experience on like a day-to-day -day kind of basis mm -hmm. so that was very eye-opening for me yeah for me over the past couple weeks I've learned a lot but what surprised me most is um how corrupt the criminal justice system is and Isabel kind of went over some of it already but so black men are overrepresented as criminals and um, oftentimes, black communities are being over-policed, which is why we see more black men compared to white men in uh, jail. Mm -hmm. It's unrealistic for everyone to get a trial, so most people settle for a deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, when you settle for a deal, you get a lower sentence. And if you try to uh, get a trial and you're still found guilty, you're punished even more. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, because um, black Americans don't have access to um, good lawyers or mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of money, mm -hmm. um, they're often charged for something that they didn't actually do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they don't even get to voice yeah. Yeah. like that they're innocent because mm -hmm. most of the time like it gets already settled for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, mass incarceration is hev heavily monetized. Money plays a big role in this and in so many other aspects of our government mm -hmm. and for this reason I think that's why police brutality is a thing 
and it's a reason why it's still happening today. There's a big it's, motivation. Yeah, it's to a big motivation it. to just send people to jail for like a minor offense, like any other any offense, just send them to jail. Mm-hmm. And like private prisons and so many other corporations, they benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And when people are sent to jail, they can use them for like cheap labor and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and exploit them. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, all these big corporations are benefiting from it, but the black people are the ones suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like many of the calls made to the police are for situations that the police aren't properly equipped for. Mm-hmm. So rather than spending a lot of money on the police, we should spend that money on other social services. Mm-hmm. There are other resources that people can go to instead rather than calling the police because there's just certain situations that they're not equipped for so they don't react in the way that they should be reacting Mm -hmm. and then that just escalates the problem and oftentimes it results in the death of someone Mm -hmm. or just unneeded unnecessary violence So, what are ways in which you have tried to become an ally? Um, for me, I guess I have really tried to dedicate a lot of my undergrad of just engaging myself with on topics relating to racism or ethnicities in America, either through my classes or speaker events. Um, but in terms of recently, um, I've also tried to like collect the educational resources that I've had the privilege of gaining or, you know, like that has been shared to me in the past. And as a result, I wanted to also be able to share this to either other people in my major or my friends and family too, because I, I do think that these sorts of resources should be more accessible and I do know that like navigating like all this information can be quite overwhelming mm-hmm. and so I've tried you know just kind of helping to show people kind of like maybe like some steps that they can start out first um or just like maybe another outlet that they can like focus on and like uh you know start off reading or watching and then continue on educating themselves mm-hmm. um other things include talking to my family um and then bringing this up w- relating to my work or my club matters um and yeah um, the first thing i did was educate myself mm-hmm. as an ally it's not good enough to be complacent and wait for somebody to educate you Mm-hmm. It's not anybody's job to teach you. You have to teach yourself and spread what you know. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was kind of scared to use my voice and speak out. Mm-hmm. But I I was just so scared of being wrong or being called out for um, mm-hmm. wrong information or not fully understanding something. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't let your fear of being wrong or offending somebody prevent you from speaking out mm-hmm. because... 
this is something that needs to be talked about. There are so many things that you can do for the movement without publicizing it. You can be signing petitions, which I've been doing. Mm -hmm. You can be making donations. You can be educating others as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's what I did. And um, I talked to my parents, and those are hard conversations to have, but they're conversations that need to be had. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I found useful is I've downloaded a few apps that tell me uh, where local black businesses are. So whenever I'm looking for a specific item, whether it's food or jewelry, clothes, etc., I would use the app to see if there are stores around me that I could uh, go to to support black businesses. I think I've also been doing the same thing, basically. Like, um, I feel like I get most of my resources from social media, like Instagram, because I'm lucky to be in, I guess, a friend group that is active on the Black Lives Matter movement. I feel really fortunate to be able to kind of receive so many different resources. So if anybody posts anything, then I think it was very important to take the time out of my day to just kind of uh, skim over or actually look more into certain topics. So I think definitely educating myself through reading and understanding the struggles of black people was really important in becoming an ally because if you don't understand what they're going through then you will definitely not understand what is happening in the present moment mm-hmm. um on top of that i've also signed some petitions and uh just try to spread the word as mm-hmm. much as i can mm-hmm. again this was happening during uh spring quarter so for me and lynchy we were kind of juggling a lot of things on top of trying Mm -hmm. to support the movement as best as we can yeah so yeah i agree like small things do make a difference but i think uh remaining consistent is really important i know this is kind of up for debate but um people some people view posting on social media as not very helpful Mm -hmm. and i can see where they're coming from but I, like Isabel, learned a lot through social media, mm-hmm. and I gained most of my information from social media, which I fact-checked with other resources, mm-hmm. and I think it's fine to be active on social media, mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be the only thing you're doing, yeah. right. because you're educating people, but you're not actually like physically doing anything for the movement, so I think it's yeah. very important to uh, sign petitions, make donations if you can, Mm -hmm. participate in fundraisers, and yeah, that's just my opinion on performative Mm -hmm. activism. So, what are the, so on top of, you know, as we are trying to educate ourselves in becoming an ally, what are the difficulties that you have encountered along the way? I think something I struggled with in the beginning was this heavy guilt I felt inside like Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to like fix it or to like resolve it I just was just I just kind of like spiraled out of control and I was donating left and right with money that I didn't really have I was using my credit card Mm -hmm. and I was just making donations because I just wanted to quench this you know 
this guilt inside me. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that wasn't really sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the guilt just stemmed from the fact that I just felt so privileged and I wanted to use that privilege somehow, some way. And I thought that to do that, I had to make all these donations but I soon realized that that's not very sustainable and there are many other ways that I can contribute. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and another, another thing I struggled with was having that hard conversation with my parents. Mm. Since they immigrated here, they aren't very familiar with uh, American history, specifically mm-hmm. black history. So I felt like it was my job to kind of educate them on that matter. Mm-hmm. And um, I was met with some resistance at first, but that was to be expected. Mm-hmm. And I just kept having these conversations. And even though we don't fully agree on um, everything, yeah. I think, I'd like to think that I have made some progress in certain aspects. Yeah. And that's all I'm hoping for. Right. Like, they're not completely shutting me out they're Mm -hmm. listening to me even though they're not agreeing with me all the time they're still listening to me right and I have been able to change their opinions on um certain events or certain aspects Mm -hmm. and speaking to my parents um kind of cleared stuff up for me too they've also given me a different perspective Mm -hmm. which um I have taken and I've evaluated and I think that's how you have to go about these conversations. You mm-hmm. can't just go in blindly and then just shout and like yeah. push your belief onto somebody. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them what you think calmly. Yeah. And you also have to listen to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't just go in and like try to like force your beliefs onto somebody else. Yeah. 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 To add on to that, I had the same obstacle as Erica. Like I really I wanted to also engage in my parents with this this discussion and like let them see what's going on and I wanted them to like understand completely like how I feel and totally be on board with my feelings and I think I was also pressured because I see people on social media sharing like these letters mm-hmm. for their API parents and they're saying like yeah like I've talked to my parents it worked well use these letters you know and like I've tried man yeah, I, <laughs> and, I, I yeah. really tried like it's just like the emotions don't translate like, yeah like even when I show my parents these they read it but it's just it's just, still indifferent you it's know? very like, yeah it's very hard and at first I was like super frustrated yeah. I was to really the, discouraged yeah too. I was very discouraged and I was kind of like I was very close to kind of like I don't know kind of dismissing it altogether you know and like giving up but I think one thing I have to like keep reminding myself is like they have lived majority of their life with mm-hmm. a complete different ideology mm-hmm. yeah. like they live half of their life at least like in a complete different country and they understood corruption in a mm-hmm. different way yeah. and so for them to come to like a new country and like to kind of like shift their thinking and like to trust their daughter saying that to not trust like the government and stuff like that it's Mm -hmm. like a lot Mm -hmm. to take in um and so maybe I don't need them to see me like 100% but if I could get them to like 
like to like see where I'm coming from maybe like 20 percent then like I'm still making some progress and so that's what I think as well as long as they're open to hearing what I'm saying Mm -hmm. I think that's progress in itself exactly and if we continue to have these conversations we'll just be making more progress Mm -hmm. so you just have to keep talking to them and you just have to keep exchanging words with them yeah and like they don't have access to a lot of the resources that we do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's our job to initiate these conversations. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they don't always know where to go yeah. to yeah. get the right information, yeah. too. A lot of the sources that my parents are going to are sources from Vietnam. Yeah. And how are you going to trust a person that lives in a different country Right. telling you what's happening in your own country? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's... A lot of it is unreliable. <laughs> yeah. And this goes, like, not just for, like, uh, Vietnamese families, mm-hmm. but, like, for example, I talked to my roommate, and her father is Mexican, too, and, like, he also, like, understood corruption in a different way. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, for them, they also kind of had, like, some difficulties talking about mm-hmm. either Black Lives Matter or COVID-19, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just, like, the matter of, like... Don't blame too much on yourself for not being able to, like, Mm -hmm. communicate the way you want to. Mm -hmm. But also, like, have a little bit of patience because, like, you you and your parents are on a complete different level. And so um, there could be progress, Mm -hmm. but, like, just be understanding that, like, you might not uh, meet eye to eye right away. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you can say what you want but it's also up to the other person whether it's your parents your friends Mm -hmm. wherever to kind of take it understand it and accept it well as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. because you can talk all you want but if they're like not listening then they're not listening exactly but we still have to just keep trying yeah and having these conversations right but like it is up to them as well it is Mm -hmm. up to them yes I have much to add besides what you guys said but mm-hmm. yeah I think um in my case it is a little bit of the opposite because I feel like my parents do have a good understanding of what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. so I, th- I feel like I'm really fortunate to not have to um go against like their beliefs or anything but I think one of the difficulties of being an ally right now is understanding like well, I really did have this privilege, mm-hmm. and I went without even recognizing it. Mm-hmm. And to have that kind of, like, um, show to you in a way that, like, you kind of don't want it to happen. Like, I don't want to know that my privilege is being um, preferred over the life of a black man or a woman, mm-hmm. you know? And so, uh, like Erica, I felt a large amount of guilt for that. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, what I was doing was not enough to help Mm -hmm. with everything. Because I feel like so many people were suffering and here I am just sitting in my house because I know I have this privilege. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's just um, a lot of guilt with not being able to do Mm -hmm. enough or... um, yeah, not making a big enough mm-hmm. impact for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first step is at least acknowledging your privilege. Mm-hmm. And it's what you do with the privilege that matters. And I think 
Mm-hmm. I think we have a better grasp of how to use it efficiently now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. For okay. sure. What advice do you give? Would you give people in fighting against personal or systemic racism? Um, so something I would recommend is to be active in seeking out your educational opportunities. Um, Erica already mentioned this, but don't be just waiting around for these resources to come to you or for someone to educate you. Um, and you know, especially if you're in college, and you know that either your major or your class or your curriculum doesn't include like an ethnic minority class or a class in racism like don't just be complacent about that you know and then complain like oh you know you you're not you don't have this opportunity to learn because in reality there are so many opportunities out there you can join like like you can join you can take an elective Mm -hmm. um you can join a club you can go to speaker events um if not in college there's a lot of things going on online Mm -hmm. as well and because everything's virtual anyways like it's a lot easier to have access to them Mm -hmm. um and yeah like there's also like so many things going outside or going around like either in social media or like other sites and even with social media i feel like while it's nice for like maybe all your friends to like post things like i do encourage people to like not just to like see what your friends are seeing mm-hmm. but to like seek those resources yourself and yeah. like engage don't just in them take people's word for it like, exactly go and do your research as well exactly mm-hmm. fact check everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah you you want to be able to form your own opinions. And if you want to stand up for anything related to BLM, you also want to be able to justify why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I want to emphasize is to vote. Like, exercise your right to vote because it's so important and it affects on the local level. But since, you know, the general elections are coming up, I'm going to talk about how your vote can affect in the federal level so by voting for uh for example the upcoming president um it can affect stuff like civic decrees so what those are are those are federal policies that could implement changes to your local police enforcement like i mentioned before a lot of local laws don't really get passed by because police unions have the power to block them and so what is required sometimes uh, is, for, is for the federal government to implement a law and then have a third party to check in and see if they're actually like making progress right mm-hmm. um and presidents are unable to enforce that um another thing they can do are executive orders um and so things like uh if they want to make like emergency changes or stuff like that um that that can surpass like the both the congress and the senate vote like the president has the power to do that and these can be quite powerful because like i said like you don't need like all this red tape before like they implement it right mm-hmm. um and even though it's not guaranteed to be long term at least in the moment it can affect like 
any situations that could be happening at this time. Um, and then lastly is something that I think people don't really uh, are aware about, but the president is able to kind of build a their own, hire their own bureaucratic members or bureaucracies um, with their different agencies right and so even though you think you're just electing one person they they are able to like hand-picked people that helps them to carry out the laws Mm -hmm. and so you just want to make sure that the person that you're voting for has the same agenda as you and like you can trust to be able to like implement the changes that you you want Mm Um, I think this is something we've emphasized a lot throughout the whole podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it once more. Mm-hmm. You need to educate yourself and you need to continue to do so because the situation is constantly changing and you need to keep educating yourself and learning about what's currently going on. And once you've educated yourself and done your research, you need to use your voice. And um, you have to also call people out Mm. don't just settle for oh they said that because they don't know better Mm -hmm. or that's just them there's no you have to set you have to set specific guidelines for what's okay and what's not okay for people to say or do right Mm -hmm. when it comes to being racist it's pretty black and white you're either racist or you're not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so call out racism when you hear it or when you see it right and racist compliments do exist Right. I just want to point that out. I don't think people know that or have really thought about it, but backhanded comments like, oh, you're pretty for an Asian person or you're pretty for a whatever person, yeah. those comments are racist as well, and those need to be called out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Lynchy emphasized this, but I'm just going to talk about it one more time. It's very important to vote. It's really important to vote because there are so many people who have had that right taken away mm-hmm. just because that's how our criminal justice system works. So we have to use our right to vote, mm-hmm. exercise our right to vote for people who can't. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for like the president, presidential mm-hmm. elections. You have to vote for at a local level as well mm-hmm. because I'm guilty of this, but I... Um, oftentimes on certain elections I'm not educated on that specific position or I don't know anything about the candidates mm-hmm. so I just leave them blank mm-hmm. and <laughs> now yeah now that's just that's just not good enough yeah. you have to do your research and you have to know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have to vote for the right person right mm-hmm. uh, I agree I think in order to see changes and we also have to kind of delve into the political sphere and I say this myself, like, I am not a political person, Mm -hmm. but if I want to see change, then I'm going to have to um, change the way that I I act as a citizen as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I personally think that to kind of fight systemic racism, um, we should stay persistent and remain vigilant Mm -hmm. and to not remain complacent. Because uh, one of the things that really resonated with me in the 13th documentary on Netflix is that one of the speakers were saying how in the past when you see everything that was happening back then and you're seeing the injustices made to the black community people would normally think like 
how how could this happen? Like, like oh man, <laughs> slavery. I would never participate. Yeah, in I would that, never or... do. Like, who would ignore this? <laughs> but we are ignoring it. Yeah. What you're seeing today is a result of us ignoring everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that really kind of it made me woke because yeah. like. I didn't realize that it's because we're kind of just letting these things slide under us that mm-hmm. we don't realize that this is a culmination of all the things that have happened in the past, mm-hmm. and now this is it. Like, yeah. we've had enough. It might They've look- had enough with it. Yeah. I kind of, like, ex- the way that I expressed this to Erica and Lynchy was, like, mm-hmm. we're living... We're living in an archaic system in a modern day world mm-hmm. like yeah. the things that have happened back then parallel the things that are happening right now and is it it is extremely like it is so old-fashioned thinking i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah um i don't know i guess my um advice to anybody who is listening is to consistently educate yourself mm-hmm. and what i've been doing to kind of uh catch myself up with everything that's been happening is by watching uh black-based films mm-hmm. so yeah. there's a lot of documentaries that are available on netflix now yeah. and erica mentioned that they're categorized so it's easier to access for everybody yeah mm-hmm. honestly there's no excuse to not educate yourself on these matters because mm-hmm. we have so much access online mm-hmm. yeah if you look something up i'm sure you can find something about it and there are local libraries that you can go to to mm-hmm. look for books, mm-hmm. and uh, your school might have some resources as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many places where you can look for resources. There's no excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're a lazy reader like me, and you would prefer to watch something... Or listen to something. <laughs> or listen to mm-hmm. something, then I think uh, watching documentaries like The 13th mm-hmm. are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, or LA. podcasts. Podcasts, yes. yes. You can <laughs> listen to podcasts. Yeah. Um, LA 92, I have not finished it, but it's very, it's very, um, informative. I highly recommend for anybody who wants to watch a documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, there are now free movies on YouTube Mm -hmm. that have, like, all black casts, and that's really awesome. So, um, I think Just Mercy is a very good film Mm -hmm. to watch. Uh, The Help is Mm -hmm. another one that's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And just on top of that, like, I know that during this time, like, you might see a lot of resources because, like, mm-hmm. of the current movement that's happening. But um, one thing, like Isabel says, to just remain persistent mm-hmm. is that even if you don't see this popping up your social media, it doesn't mean these issues are going away. Mm-hmm. And so I would say try to reach out to, like, voices that are still talking about it. So, yeah. for example, like, I've been watching Jackie Ina for, like, a long time. And I, like, I do watch her for, like, entertainment. But, like, what I've noticed is that, like, for a lot of her videos, she would point out, like, a lot of her experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but you don't hear about these things every day. Mm -hmm. Maybe you hear it now because everyone's talking Mm -hmm. about it and publicizing about it. Mm -hmm. But, like, what about next month, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, or so? And so um that that why that's why like you know like it's good to like check in with um like black influencers Mm -hmm. or black voices just in general to see like what's Mm -hmm. still going on Mm -hmm. what like maybe 
maybe even like small things right like mm-hmm. corporations yeah, or like yeah. businesses businesses and like laws um stuff like that to kind of still keep you informed or like to kind of bring to light like mm-hmm. what's what's an issue but mm-hmm. yeah um i don't have specific resources but um i did find uh, a list of words that were um helpful like things to search up just to educate yourself more on mm-hmm. um what's going on mm-hmm. and the words that i've researched are uh police brutality redlining race and education microaggressions mm-hmm. school to prison pipeline and asian model minority mm-hmm. and there's so many other more words that you or phrases that you can search up to educate yourself on these matters mm-hmm. but um yeah i thought these were very informative yes um i recommend going to the if you want to hear more about the movement then go to black lives matter website mm-hmm. um they have their mission statement but not only that but like they keep up to date of like the news and what's going on and mm-hmm. so you can like get updated or, or get updates from them um for all my asian peeps i recommend checking out asian americans for blm on instagram because this is especially if you want to learn more about the model minority theory i know that or sorry the model minority myth mm-hmm. <laughs> um this uh this concept is not widely known unfortunately mm-hmm. like beyond the college level um so if you do want to learn more about that they do a good job in breaking down like the history of uh systemic racism with against api and the black community and kind of like reason why how reason why and how the api uh should be integrated into the um black lives matter movement i don't have many resources compared (laughs) to lynchy and erica but i am active on tiktok and i do see a lot of um black tiktok influencers and Mm -hmm. if you do have a tiktok i highly recommend that you follow um black Mm -hmm. influencers um i forgot the actual name of the website but there are websites that um you know black social media like presences have made Mm -hmm. and they've actually like formulated these websites so that way you can enter in like your zip code or your um the state that you live in Mm -hmm. and they create templates for you to send to your local government officials Mm -hmm. so everything is planned out for you basically i think you just have to change the subject line so that way uh when you send the email to your um local government officials they'll be able to read it and it won't get sent yeah it won't get sent into the spam box so yeah i think that's my main resource Mm -hmm. (laughs) no yeah but like i know it sounds like silly like snapchat tiktok yeah but i do like but they're very powerful they are powerful now. because yeah. like they're used by us yeah, you know yeah. and so what what like the media like sorry not the media but like the news yeah. right that could be manipulated maybe mm-hmm. but at least like for things that are used by us like snapchat yeah. and tiktok like mm-hmm. we get direct mm-hmm. contact by like our own fellow yeah. communities so mm-hmm. and like the reach is so far like you yeah. can post something and anybody could see it, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. For sure. Mm-hmm. And that concludes our podcast episode. If you would like to share your thoughts on this topic or suggest different resources on Black Lives Matter, 
feel free to email us at lazy.thoughts at gmail.com. Other than that, we encourage everyone to engage in this matter, either through the resources we have mentioned or in your own way. Thanks for getting lazy with us! <laughs> <laughs>